podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time for our famous Thursday Whip Around show. Got some great folks who are chatting with us, setting us up for the TCU side of the game, for the TCU Primer. We have my friends Grant and Parker from the Purple Theory Podcast. You guys definitely know Parker from all of his advanced analytics, and Grant is maybe my favorite person in all of Twitter uh, you know, TCU guy, uh, love going back and forth with him. And they are going to set us up great with a little bit of a preview from the TCU point of view of things. Uh, making his debut, not on the show, I mean, because he's a recurring guest, but making his debut, giving a primer, is the good chef Andre Napier. He's going to preview things from the K-State side of things. Uh, K-State TCU, that's the game of the week, 100%. So instead of getting anyone else to talk about it, I had a Big 12 ch- chat with a friend of the show and now recurring guest, Shahan Jairaja from CBS Sports and the College Football Playoff Survivor Show, his own podcast. So that's a great one. And then with basketball, men's and women's just right around the corner, I'll be taking care of the Wildcat Roundup probably for the foreseeable future so I can chat about both of those teams uh, during this massive football, you know, season. You know, it's not going to be uh, easy to fit in full episodes of basketball content as we're on the hunt for Arlington. So I'm going to use the Wildcat Roundup and sometimes the Tuesday show. We might we, we may not always have a Q&A Uh, just to get a little bit of time to talk basketball uh, as the crossover season is going. So uh, you guys are going to have to listen a little bit more of me than you usually will for the Thursday whip around, but that's okay uh, because I'm excited for both of these basketball teams, men and women. I will touch on soccer who are sitting currently in a tie for fifth place in the conference and talk about the struggling volleyball squad as well. But before we get into any of that, you know them, you love them. It is the most delicious beer in the entire state of Kansas that is Manhattan Brewing Company. I I, I just love it. The it, it's the freshness, the approachability. Every single beer in their tap room. Every time I go in there, I want to try all of them, but that's not responsible. And I don't want to have to Uber back to Shawnee. That would be a hefty Uber ride. But I love doing it, and this is what you guys need to do. Next time you're in your Manhattan, get a couple pints, get a couple four-packs to go, and then your local liquor store, wherever you are, talk to whoever's deciding what's going in the craft beer section and tell them that you need, you need it, the Manhattan beer, or the Manhattan Brewing Company beer. The most delicious, freshest, with the best variety craft beer selection in the entire state. I think region. So that's all I have for the opening. I'm going to kick it to my main man, the good chef Andre Napier, and he's going to get you guys started and ready for this K-State TCU matchup. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, the good chef Andre Napier, and I'm here to do one of these Thursday whip around things. Scott Wildcat asked me to do it for the Bosco's boys and I'm here. I'm a Bosco's boy, I'm a bonehead. You guys know me. And you probably also know that I host a podcast with my good friends Bob Trolls being Fireball Matt every Wednesday at 
8.10 Central Time, the Cocaine Willie Podcast. We go live. We have a good time. We talk ball. K-State ball. But we're here to talk about K-State versus TCU. Ranked matchup. But first, we gotta get to last week. There was no last week. It was a bye, goddammit. That's alright. We got to kick back. Top of the 12. Have a laugh. Watch all the other teams duke it out. It was a good week of football, relaxing, exactly what we needed as a fan base. But you know who needed it more? The team. They're, they needed it. A nice, refreshing break from football, exactly what they needed. We're 3-0, and top of the 12. We needed this for the home stretch, because everything we want, the Big 12 championship trip to Arlington is right in front of us. We have to go 1-0. Just like the team says, go 1-0 every game, 12-game season, 12-1-game seasons. And then we'll have our trip to Arlington, and we'll be gravy, baby. But some of the big storylines going into this TCU game, I think it's got to be Adrian Martinez and Max Duggan. Adrian Martinez has been elite for us, really. Ever since that two-lane game, when they let him rip it, he's not so cautious anymore. He's he's out there playing ball. Playing great. But on the other side, Max Duggan is playing really good. Who would have thought? He didn't even win the starting job at the beginning of the season. But when he was called upon... He's performed, and he's balling out of control. It really, this game is going to come down to that, I think. It's going to come down to quarterback play. And we'll see who can carry their team to victory. Health of the team, you know, that's another big storyline. We got the bye week, and it feels good to have that bye week because you ask Chris Kleiman, those guys that went down in the Iowa State game, Khalid Duke, Deuce Vaughn, we need them back. And if you listen to Chris Kleiman, they'll all be back and ready to go, which is going to be huge. We we need those guys. Deuce Vaughn especially. Our backfield is not nearly the same with him not back there performing at an all-Big 12 level. But that's probably one of my integral parts of this game, things that we need to really win this game is that's Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn back there playing that one-two punch in the run game and in the pass game. We we have to have those two boys cooking. And on the defensive side, I think it's Julius Brents. You know, they've got a dog on that other side on TCU, Quentin Johnson. I don't think they're going to stick them one-on-one one on one the whole game, man-on-man, but Julius Brintz is probably the biggest corner that they'll see. And I don't think they've seen a freak like him. 6'4", can jump, play, has great ball skills. It's exactly what we need against this explosive, long, tall receiving core that TCU has that Max Duggan throws the ball up to. And if, if Julius Brintz can get his hands on it, it's, it's going to be good looking for us. You know, the Cats, we need them. But, you know, some keys to V. Keys to V to win this game, man. We have to limit the explosion by TCU. TCU is probably the most explosive team in the Big 12. I think they have like 10% of their plays are 20-plus yards. That's insane. They're an explosive team. We haven't seen anybody like that since maybe Oklahoma. And we did a good job limiting Oklahoma when they were at full strength, when they were number six in the country. I think we can do the same again versus TCU on the road, under the lights. But also we have to slow down their running game. I mean, they've got a stable of running backs back there. Di Mercado, he seems good. The Miller boy, he seems good. Seems like he touches the ball, it's 10 yards per play every time. But... We have to do that to get the victories. If it's on defense, we're limiting the explosion. And then on offense, we have to show the explosion ourselves. We're not—we're no cupcakes when it comes to explosion. 
I think we can do it. I think we can get that dub, baby. And it all comes down to explosion on both sides of the ball. But, you know, we've got our weaknesses too. And I think really the key is avoiding that lull. It seems like in every one of the games, especially the Texas Tech game, we have that lull in the second quarter. And then the Iowa State Farmageddon game, I think that whole game was a lull. But, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing that and letting a team like TCU who has all those explosive playmakers stay in the game? Or are you going to keep your foot down on the pedal, that pedal to the metal, and keep it going for four quarters? That would be huge. We have to we have to avoid the lull. And then the red zone inefficiencies. You know, when you get down there, especially if you've had a long drive, we can't settle for, for field goals. We have to punch it in. Touchdowns are going to be crucial for this game. Maybe not the most high-scoring game. Maybe not what TCU saw in double overtime, but we can we can get it done. But we have to get in the end zone when it's available to us. You know, I, I think this game is going to be somewhere around 35, 31, 38. 35 somewhere close another nail biter under the lights on fs1 wish it was big boy fox but it's baseball season what are you gonna do so i got the i got the cats 35 31 versus the horn frogs we're staying undefeated in the big 12 4 and oh the only undefeated team how good does that sound and i gotta i gotta say thank you I, I love doing these whip arounds. It, this feels natural. I like it. But I'm Chef Andre Napier. You can find me on Twitter at Chef Andre Napier. Follow the Cocaine Willie account. Follow my account. And, you know, it'll be a good time. Come join us live Wednesdays. But we're right after the Bosco's Boys live show. Come join us. And it'll be a good time. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you to the good chef, Andre Napier. You can hear him almost weekly on the Bosco's Boys Live show, which we record 7 p.m. in God's time zone every Wednesday on Spotify, Green Room, Spotify Live. And then right afterwards, usually about 10 minutes afterwards, Cocaine Willie is going live. Uh, so you can listen in live. Uh, you can participate live or or. You can make sure you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever great podcasts can be consumed. Before we get over to Parker and Grant to hear what the uh, the other side of this purple rivalry have to say about this game, I want to give a shout out to Coach Kleiman. It looks like he just got added to the Bobby Dodd Trophy watch list. So that is the national award for national coach of the year. So we're at this midway point uh, and coach Kleiman is on the mid season uh, watch list. Shout out to him. Um, also want to give a shout out to Felix and Udike Uzama, who has been picking up countless mid season, all American award lists. Again, this was his big breakout game. You know, he, he had a solid game versus just about everyone last year, but it was that TCU game where he really came on to the national radar. Uh, so well-deserved uh, watch list for both of them. Before we go to the Purple Theory boys, Parker and Grant, I want to give a shout-out to the Kansas City company that has the most comfortable crewnecks, the most stylish, officially licensed K-State gear, and plenty of Kansas City icon stuff, including the Arrowhead collection. We are once again happy to be partnered with charliehustle.com. Whether you're rocking it to Arrowhead Stadium, to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, or on the road to Amon G. Carter Stadium, they have the most stylish, the best looking, the most comfortable, officially licensed K-State gear around. You can shop their, the K-State collection at charliehustle.com and at select retailers throughout Manhattan. 
Also, like I mentioned it, the Arrowhead collection is stylish as well for some of you fans out there who are also cheering for the same NFL team I am located in Kansas City every Sunday. Check out charliehustle.com for all the best gear. Now, let's hear what the other side has to say. Let's go behind enemy lines for the TCU Primer. Hello, uh, this is Parker and Grant from the Purple Theory Podcast, your friendly neighborhood TCU podcast, the only and the worst TCU podcast on the planet. And we're here to answer a couple questions about the uh, TCU Horn Frog. So, Grant, you want to recap uh, TCU's uh, win over Oklahoma State? Boy, do I. Uh, TCU fell behind 14 to nothing at home, hosting number eight Oklahoma State, and crawled back to force overtime uh, with a late touchdown. Um, Overtime was 30 to 30. Uh, TCU and Oklahoma State both scored touchdowns. Oklahoma State actually converted a fourth and nine uh, to negate the two OT. After TCU held Oklahoma State to a field goal, Max Duggan ran QB power um, and got 12 yards down to the Oklahoma State one. Kendry Miller punched it in for the win to move TCU to number eight in the country, six and zero undefeated uh, in the first year under Sonny Dykes, a result that I don't think anybody expected, but uh, we're very happy to have have happened. Um, So a lot of fun, a hell of a game. Um, Absolutely. Um, Expectations for the season. Grant, I'll take this one if that's all right. Please. Um, Totally botched the segue there. That's okay. Um, uh, Expectations for the season were um, uh, just just go to a bowl. It would just be nice to go to a bowl and and maybe don't um, have any off-field drama is the way I'll say that to to Kansas State fans. Um, Very clearly, uh, Kansas State fans are aware that Gary Patterson uh, ended his tenure at TCU after the Kansas State game last year. So uh, hoping for a less dramatic season. And um, I think that uh, we, we reasonable fans had said like eight and four would be an amazing season for TCU, given kind of the turnover they have. Um, and th- th- those are absolutely still intact with TCU undefeated here. I think that there's going to be a bumper along the road. We don't know what it is, but I think TCU fans are well positioned to say this is amazing. None of us expected it. And we're riding this wave. Um, and so we'll see what real adversity looks like. But uh, it is important to note, TCU does have the third most talented roster in the Big 12 by a big margin. They're nowhere near kind of the Texas-Oklahoma level, but they are a step up above um, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, kind of the, the, the middle class of the Big 12 there in terms of team talent composite. And TCU, 82% returning production is, is the most in the conference tied with Kansas. So um, it's not surprising that TCU is doing well in, in one sense, but in another sense, it really, really um, is. Yeah. And, and the way they've gotten there, if you want to talk about just a, a couple of storylines, Parker, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll, there's probably two on offense that we need to address. And then one kind of glaring storyline on defense that has been the thorn in t- uh, TCU side the whole season. The first is that Max Duggan has established himself, reestablished himself as quarterback number one. He started, he's, he's been TCU's starting quarterback for basically the last two and a half seasons. Um, began the year as number two on the death chart, but entered the game after Chandler Morris got banged up against Colorado in the first game of the season and has assumed the mantle once again uh, as really the sort of de facto leader of the team. His name's being bandied about in Heisman conversations. Um, he's, he's improved so much as a passer, and he still has drives where he makes you wonder what on earth he's doing. But the leap that he has taken at quarterback has really fueled TCU's emergence this season. And he's helped by the fact that Quentin Johnston – is probably a top three receiver in the country, perhaps. He's certainly going to play on Sundays next year. He's big and tall. He's fast. He doesn't have the greatest pair of hands in the world, but he's acrobatic enough to make catches that you don't think anyone else could make, and he's quick enough to escape. So on offense, those are kind of the big storylines. On defense, QC was worried about depth at linebacker. Joe Gillespie came in and installed a 3-3-5 defense, whereas previously TCU was using the 4-2-5 under Gary Patterson. And they barely had two linebackers last year. Now they barely have three with the addition of Johnny Hodge from, uh, from Navy as a transfer. Um, if any one of those guys gets banged up, it's a bad news for TCU. Um, so that's something to look out for how TCU manages their linebackers. Um, and, and if any one of them, one of them gets banged up against Kansas state, it, it might spell a bit of disaster for that defense. Absolutely. Uh, Grant, I, that was a great overview. Um, I will just point out one or two guys whose names you didn't say that I think are important on both sides of the ball. One, um, 
uh, Kendra Miller is, is an excellent running back for TCU, kind of underrated, kind of um, under the radar because TCU lost Zach Evans, the five-star running back, but Kendra Miller played really well last year. And, and I think he was underrated as a recruit. He's 6.4 yards per attempt, 3.65 yards after contact, 19 runs of 10 or plus yards. He's a physical back. He's mobile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Definitely. Um, helps TCU's uh, offensive floor be much higher than it could be alternatively with what Miller can kind of create for them. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to shout out two guys. Josh Newton is a cornerback who kind of didn't didn't come in penciled in as the starter, um, but has been excellent uh, overall, a um, 79.1% uh, coverage grade from PFF, uh, really disruptive and kind of one-on-one lockdown against the best receiver. So we'll see him on Malik Knowles. And Abe Kamara is a safety who plays a little bit of a jackknife role. You'll see him all over the place and he will lay some hits, man. I, I, I'm very excited to see how kind of he finds Deuce Vaughn coming out of the backfield and how that matchup determines the TCU game. Um, Grant score and outcome prediction. Do you have one? Yeah, I do. I think, um, we talked about this on, on the purple theory podcast. I, I think TCU wins this game, though. I'm not very confident about it. I'll, I'll be there. Um, and I don't have a great track record at TCU games, but give me TCU 30 Kansas state 24. I, I think both these teams are very good. I, I, I think both defenses are good enough to, to limit, but not stop offenses. So 30, 24 TCU is where I'll net out. What about you? I'm going, uh, I'm going shootout. Let's do the dang thing. I'm going okay. a ton of explosive plays with both of these defenses. Uh, give me 38, 35 TCU going to take the win here. Um, just because I'm a coward and I always agree with Vegas, but, uh, I, I like it to be last team, last team at the ball scores. Um, if you want to hear Grant and I ramble and make inside jokes about Terry Bradshaw and talk more about the TCU side of things, make sure you subscribe to the purple theory podcast, uh, wherever you get podcasts, we'll be out Wednesday with a, um, with an in-depth preview of Kansas State. Have a good time there. Follow Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. You can find me on Twitter at StatsOWar. Thanks, guys. Thank you to Parker and Grant, the two hosts of the Purple Theory podcast, and obviously my two favorite TCU fans who are also friends. I might have to track down Grant uh, when I'm down there in Fort Worth on Saturday. Oh boy, guys, I'm nervous. <laughs> As I'm recording this, I am super nervous. Um, luckily, uh, I'm not going to sub- subject you guys to Andy Mitts talking about KU. Um, not going to talk to, you know, I'm not going to have anyone give a primer for Big 12 game of the week, although, you know, Texas-Oklahoma State is going to be a big one with a lot of Arlington implications all in their own. But I was like, no, I want to talk to Shahan. It has been too long since I've talked to the number one guy when it comes to Big 12 talk on a national platform. It's been a long time since I've talked to our favorite blue check, Big J Journo. It's been a while since I've talked to the hardest working man in college football media. It's been too long since I have talked to one of our best friends. So I wanted to get Shahan on, become an official recurring guest on Bosco's Boys, and talk about the Big 12 at this midway point of the college football season and the 33.333 year repeating mark of the Big 12 season. So here's my chat with the Big J Journal himself, Shahan Jayaraja from CBS Sports. All right, I'm not going to let uh, Philip Slavin tell me that the K-State TCU game is not the Big 12 game of the week. So I'm not going to let him try to sneak in like another KU game and make you guys listen to Andy Mitts or anything like that. So I thought to myself, it is the perfect time to get back the number one national voice when it comes to the Big 12. The number one college football writer 
over at CBS Sports. He has his own college football podcast, the College Football Survivor Show. He goes on everyone else's podcast. You can hear him in on Kansas City Radio with Seren Petro on occasion, but I think I'm more fun than Seren. I said that. He didn't say it. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Shahan J. Rajan. Shahan, thank you for coming back on, and thanks for answering D- D- my DMs. I, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying this because now everyone's going to be trying to, you know, get, you know, uh, the the best bets of the weekend try to be great degenerates here in the state of Kansas but I appreciate you coming on with so little notice well listen I've got a special tab you know for the Bosco boys like I gotta make sure that that anytime it comes up it goes straight to the top of the list well I appreciate it uh anyone who listened remember we got you on back in the summer after you were predicting game by game the entire big 12 schedule now I I don't I didn't bring you on here just because K State beat Iowa State just like I told you we were going to but you know K, K- State is you know three and zero top of the Big Twelve and we did beat Iowa State so I mean how impressed we'll, we'll just start there how impressed are you with K State so far in the season and we can ignore that Tulane game if you want <laughs> well well listen I I think if you had told me it was going to be a ten nine ball game I would have just been like I I don't think I have to care about that game that's probably not relevant to me but I've honestly I mean not to not to take a victory lap this is exactly what I expected I, this is what I hoped that we'd see from Kansas State this year they've done such a great job of managing their offense the defense is as good as we thought it was going to be their defensive line is obviously incredible and I think they've just used Adrian Martinez in such smart ways this is what I hoped that he'd kind of be doing when he stepped into a Colin Klein offense when he stepped into a Chris Kleiman offense they've made the game easy for him they've allowed him to use the skills that he has most and not relied on kind of what he uh, what he struggled with in the past and you, you know obviously you mix that with some really good uh play from deuce vaughn some really good talent uh at the receiver positions and this is what i hoped right i've been waiting for this season for from kansas state so i i would have felt a little better about it if uh if, if that Tulane game didn't happen but hey maybe Tulane's pretty good uh you know they're top 25 right now i i think that you know that that helps ease it th- ease things just a little bit maybe but uh but i'm really impressed with kansas state i think they're one of the best teams in the league and and this is again just just to reiterate this is what i hope that i'd see from kansas state coming into the year and they've fully brought it to to uh fruition I think there's two candidates for a surprise of the year, at least sitting from my seat. I already cashed the over on the FanDuel app. Um, and I, I don't know if you're affiliated with, with with a sports book at CBS, but I used FanDuel for all my overs and unders, and I cashed on KU already. So as much as I think some of the listeners probably don't like hearing it, I, I think that's obvious a surprise of the year. And then the other one is TCU. Anyone who went back and listened to any of the predictions shows, anytime I talked with Parker, I think I even predicted them to start the season three and three, but here they are. Uh, you know, they're five and oh, six and oh, I can't remember. No, it's five, no, six and oh, six and oh for, for TCU. Six and oh. So those are the two big surprises for me. Is there anything else that really jumped off as a positive or negative surprise for the Big 12? And, and what is what have you seen from TCU and what have you seen from Kansas? I mean, those are definitely the two surprise teams. I'll say I, I felt pretty optimistic about Kansas coming into the year. I don't think anybody short of Jalen Daniels' mom thought that we'd have a chance to have a, a Kansas team this good right away. And we'll see what happens the rest of the year. Look, if they lose their last seven games, it's still a tremendously successful year, right? Like, I mean, that does at a certain point come down to just program depth and stuff like that. So they've already had a successful year. Their over-under heading into the year was two and a half. And and I said that was easy money, take the over on that. And they've obviously hit in a big way. Uh, You know, they didn't have spring camp last year. That was a big thing coming into last year where they... Uh, finally managed to kind of bring things together at the end. They played three really competitive games down the stretch against West Virginia, against Texas, and against TCU. And that really gave me some optimism that they could be special. Well, they've been better than anybody could have expected to this point. And uh, and even Jason Bean has played pretty well in a backup role. You know, for them to stick with Oklahoma the way that they did, score 42 points, I, I mean, look, again, even if they lose every game the rest of the year, they're not going to lay down. This is clearly a program on the rise, and there's a reason that everybody uh, uh, kind of has Lance Leipold right in their focus right now for every job that's open right now. But TCU was uh, the one that before I Before you move on to TCU, about. real yeah, quick, go, sorry, sorry. Go I, I'm on. the worst podcast host because I interrupt. Uh, I just want to throw this stat out there. The last time KU went 5-0, and 
they ended the season five and seven, and then they changed their head coach uh, right afterwards. So again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying Lance Leipold's <laughs> it's going to come out that he was like, you know, locking people in doors and making them, you know, do bear crawls on a hundred degree asphalt, like Mark Mangino was. Uh, but you know, KU does, I mean, if history tells you anything, they're going to, you know, finish five and seven there, then they're going to have a new coach next year. Um, so I, I just wanted to get my little dig out. There. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't worry uh, if he does leave. Uh, thankfully, Kansas State already showed who their next ho- head coach could be because uh, Willie Fritz might be coming down from Tulane if, if that were to happen. There's <laughs> there's one guy there, there's one guy on the K-State message board who was insistent on talking up Willie Fritz going into that game and, and saying all this type of stuff. I pointed out that he had a losing record at Tulane and, uh, you know, what is, you know, American conference record was. And when we lost that game, oh, he started beating me over the stick with it. And then, uh, you know, every win afterwards, that that message board post gets bumped, gets bumped. Uh, So for my own sake in this one specific guy on a a K-State message board, I hope Willie Fritz doesn't go to KU because if he goes to KU and if he ever beats K-State, I'll probably have to delete, you know, my online message board persona because, you know, I'm super online and that guy would never let me hear the end of it. (laughs) Listen, never log off. That's my tip. Never log off. But, you know, moving on to TCU, that was a team and I have obviously a lot of connections with that team. I, uh, you know, I live in the Metroplex. I've been over there a whole lot. And I thought that long term, they'd have a chance to to improve and be pretty good. But this is beyond what I could have ever imagined. You know, we have to remember they originally picked Chandler Morris to start as quarterback out of camp and he gets hurt. So this isn't even the plan necessarily coming into the year in some ways, but they've done such a great job of maximizing what they have on that roster. And and talent was never the issue at TCU, right? They've had guys put into the NFL who really didn't maximize their potential in a lot of ways at TCU, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But, uh, I didn't know that Darius Davis was this good. I didn't know that uh, Savion Williams was this good, right? These are guys who have been in the program for multiple years where they're finding creative ways to use. They're making the game easy for Max Duggan. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I mean, look, Coming away from that game, uh, I was at the TC-Oklahoma State game last weekend. Uh, Coming away from that game, look, I I think that Oklahoma State's probably a quote-unquote better team. Like, I still think that they're probably, in my eyes, the more the favorite in the Big 12 still, even after that game. But what a fight by TCU. They did not back down. They went down multiple scores. And this was an Oklahoma State team that beat them, I think, 63-21 to last year or 63-14. to So huge credit to them for not backing down and, and finding a way to win that game. Uh, they just play so loose. They play so free. I, I think that you probably can't go from two more polar opposites than Gary Patterson to Sonny Dykes. Uh, and I think that they're really reaping the benefits in a big way. So, you know, Kansas was a team that I thought had a chance to be better. TC was a team that I thought would really have some struggles early on. And and they've both been a, a pleasant surprise. And, and honestly, when you look at these big 12 standings right now, they've made everybody else's life hell. Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. The other two teams who I think are contenders Oklahoma State, it sounds like uh, will Spencer Sanders be playing? I'm not sure. And then again, they are playing Texas, who, you know, I, I mean, as much as I hate to do this, and this might get bookmarked, I, I, I don't want to say Texas is back because that's become a meme, but they are the betting favorites right now to win the Big 12. So uh, how do you think that game is going to go? And, you know, are these the four contenders, TCU, K-State, Oklahoma State, and Texas? I think they're definitely the four that you need to keep an eye on right now. And, uh, you know, I will say nobody except for probably Iowa State is far enough back in the standings that they couldn't make a run, that they couldn't pull things together. You know, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma and Iowa State are the only two teams right now that have more than two losses in conference, which is just crazy stuff just crazy unbelievable stuff at this point but uh but i do think that you look at those four as probably at this moment being ahead uh, above the rest of the field you know for me so you know we we all watched what texas did to oklahoma two weeks ago you know we also watched what texas did against iowa state last week i'm going to be curious when they play some of these better teams in the big 12 because right now i mean they have not beaten a team that at the time of their game had a big 12 win at that point right oklahoma state is going to be the first team that they play that has a winning record in conference play so i I think it's going to be a great test for them oklahoma state like you mentioned a little banged up obviously spencer sanders being chief among them but you know defensively they've lost a couple guys to injuries as well i'm going to be curious to kind of see you know can oklahoma state come out 
cause issues, uh, get pressure on the quarterback, because I think that's really going to be the key of this game. You know, I think that Oklahoma State has the ability to hang on to the ball, kind of like what Iowa State did, but probably finish drives a little bit more effectively. Uh, And defensively, I think I'm going to be very curious to see what kind of happens. So I probably would have Texas as a a narrow favorite in this game uh, just because of Oklahoma State's injury concerns. But it's going to be a 50-50 game. And and by the way, when a game is played in Stillwater, you can never really count Oklahoma State out. I, I've I've seen four games in Stillwater. Granted, they're they're uh, all K State, um, and I've seen Oklahoma State win four times in that building. So you know, I they right. they, they they don't lose very often. So I, I'm gonna have to stop myself from going to Stillwater next year. I guess with the schedule shakeup, we're not sure when the next time is, but uh, I'll, I'll have to stop myself from going. Um, let's talk just bottom of the Big Twelve, just real quick. Um, of the teams that are. Uh, th- uh, four and three or worse, because I'll, I'll throw Oklahoma out there. You have West Virginia, Baylor, Texas Tech, all at three and three. You have Oklahoma at four and three. You have Iowa State at three and four. Of those teams, who do you think is least likely to make a bowl? And who do you think is most likely to, you know, maybe they don't make it to Arlington, but they might spoil some pumpkins for some teams trying to get there. Yeah, the funny thing is, I mean, obviously Baylor's sitting at three and three right now. They haven't looked bad, right? I mean, the, this last game against West Virginia, they're kind of running away with the game, and then Blake Shapen has a concussion. And like, you know, the the BYU game was a double overtime game, and the Oklahoma State game, they gave up nine uh, non-offensive points in an eleven-point game. Like, it's it's funny. You know, this Baylor team has been about what I expected this year, but it's just been little things happening, little things going wrong. I think Parker put out uh, when you look against the spread, they, they're plus 10 against the spread on the season, even though they're three and three. It's just been one of those years. Right. So I think that they are very much capable of of beating anybody any given week. Like, I think that they are even though they're one and two in conference and three and three overall, they are not to me a 500 quality team at this point. But you know, you are what your record says you are. So they would be the team that I think probably has the best chance of kind of causing some issues and moving up. Finding a team to miss a bowl is hard because I think that there's a lot of teams that have a chance to get back there. I, I think that at this moment, I mean, I would stay they're just in such a hole right now because it isn't just that they lost. It's the teams that they've lost to, you know, to to already have a loss against Kansas, to have Oklahoma coming up in a few weeks, still have to go to Oklahoma state, still have to go to TCU, still have to play Texas tech. Who's pretty feisty. Like, same sort of deal. Like I was say it's not a worse team than I expected them to be this year, but just the breaks haven't gone their way. They this may come as a shock. Matt Campbell's lost some close games, and uh, including obviously a one point game against Kansas State, which just feels impossible. And uh, you, you know, so their path is pretty tough. If you're asking me right now, who I think the worst team in the Big 12 is, I still think it's West Virginia. I, I don't think that uh, a lot of my fears were assuaged with the way that they played last week. Though, I mean, enjoy the moment. Like, I'm not, you know, obviously I think that that you have to enjoy anything you can get as a as a West Virginia fan. But, you know, at Texas Tech, you still have to play TCU. You still have to go to Iowa State. You play Kansas State. You play Oklahoma State. You still play Oklahoma. It's it's a lot, man. It's a lot. I, I think that if you are, if you're Neil Brown right now, try to get, you know, I mean, two of those and try to build some consistency, maybe pull one upset and you feel okay. But man, it is, it is brutal in the big 12 this year. If you fall half a step behind, you're going to, you just might lose every game. We're going to get you out on a handful of predictions. First two are going to be yes or no. Yes or no. The university of Kansas fighting Jayhawks make a bowl game. I'm going to say yes. Cause it, Man, you better. You better win one more, man. Just win one. As long as it's not versus K-State, I think uh, my brother and my mom, both of which are diehard KU football fans, uh, they would be happy. All right, yes or no, the University of Oklahoma Sooners make a bowl game. I think I lean towards yes. I think I lean towards six and six. Uh, You know, they obviously are just so different when they have Gabriel in the lineup versus when they don't. I don't think they're great even with Gabriel in the lineup, but I think they're good enough to beat West Virginia Tech and Iowa State maybe. So uh, I'm going to say yes. Okay. The two teams playing in Arlington as we are sitting here, all teams with at least three conference games. Uh, in, in the book. So what are the two teams playing in Arlington that first Saturday in December? 
Okay, if you, if you ask me right now, I think that I lean Kansas State and I think I'd lean Texas. So I think that that's where I'd go right now, Kansas State versus Texas. But I mean, ask me in 90 seconds and I'll throw Oklahoma State in there as well. Well, since you have K-State in there, I'm not going to ask you again in 90 seconds. And then the, the final question I'm going to ask for game predictions on the two big, big ones in the Big 12. Let's start with Texas going to Stillwater and T-Boone Pickens Stadium, currently looking like a six-point favorite with the over-under 64.5. Who do you have coming out on top for that one while ESPN um, tries to play a video? That's what I get. That's what I get for not going to CBS to get the. There you go. Button. There you go. That there is my go. fault. Anyone we got, we got quite the auto play. Yes, <laughs> you, you go to you go to CBS so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, I've learned my <laughs> lesson. Um. So I think that uh, it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to depend a little bit on injury stuff, but I think Oklahoma State is just a different team at home. You know, they play well on the road, but they just historically are so different at home and uh, getting Texas, right? They don't know how many times you're going to get Texas uh, again in Stillwater. I think it's a big emotional game. They're playing a Texan quarterback in Spencer Sanders. And and I think that he finds a way to uh, to lead them to victory. And then the big one, the one all of our fans are interested in, K-State at TCU. It is a 7 p.m. game right down there in Amon G. Carter Stadium in the Metroplex, Fort Worth, Texas. TCU still sitting at a three and a half. Some places have it at three with the over-under at 58 and a half coming down from the initial line last week of six. So who has that? And then you were at TCU last week. Will you be at uh, the game this week? It's not looking like it, uh, you know, it's, it's, I know, I know, but don't worry. I'll, I'll have it on TV one. It's going to be good. great, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to lean Kansas state in this game. I think that TCU did some really nice things last week. Uh, they showed obviously a tenacity, a, a, you know, all that sort of stuff. You have to be really impressed with it, but I just think that Kansas state is deeper. I think that obviously they're healthier than Oklahoma state is right now. And I don't know that TCU has a great plan to deal with sort of that Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn attack, right? Like, obviously, you know, we'll have to go out and see Joe Gillespie's a really good defensive coordinator, but I think that Kansas State is versatile enough and physical enough that, uh, especially when, when you start to add these games up, like what TCU is doing, they they have to play emotional games basically four weeks in a row. I, I think that eventually it's just hard to get up for a fourth one, a fifth one, a sixth one. All right, and I lied. One final question. If K-State wins that one, do they have to beat Oklahoma State to go up for a vote to make it into your podcast? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I think that they would be able to go up for a vote next week. I, I think that that would be enough if they're able to beat TCU and it looks pretty good. Okay, so if that happens, be prepared because I'm going to try to get folks to stuff the ballot. So that's Please all we do. have. That's what all I have. If you want to plug anything for the boneheads, go ahead. Otherwise, I'll let you get on with being the busiest man in college football media. <laughs> hey, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. You can follow me on Twitter at Shahan J. Raja. You can follow our show, like you mentioned, the College Football Survivor Show at CFB Survivor Show on Twitter. And of course, read all my stuff over at CBSSports.com. Yes, and use them because they don't have uh, you know autoplay. That's on me. I'm gonna send a you know an apology note to everyone. I, uh, headquartered in Nashville, right? CBS Sports headquartered in Nashville. It's it's complicated. Two four sevens out of Nashville. We got a Florida office. Uh, I don't know. I, I I work out of my fairly small home office, and that's a, that's about as far as I get. Well. I wasn't sure. I, I was about to say, I'm sure at least the folks at 247 are excited about the uh, brand new uh, stadium the Titans are getting. It sounds like that might be a spot for a future college football championship game. So they're probably pretty happy about that. But that's all we have. Again, I'll stop talking so you can get, get on uh, being, like I said, the busiest guy and the best guy in college football media. Thanks again for hopping on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to Shahan. Thank you to everyone who participated in this week's Thursday Whip Around. Now, before we call it a day, let's talk a little bit about what happened uh, at in Kansas City at Big 12 Media Days, not only for the men, but for the women. Let's start with uh, the men. First off, I can't recall if we've had a show and we've talked about it, uh, but the K-State men being voted... 
dead last in the Big 12 preseason poll. Now, is it surprising? No, I'm not surprised one bit. I think it was a very easy pick uh, for all the coaches because it's not a media poll for uh, football or for for men's basketball. It is just... uh, just the coaches and uh you know we had 12 points which means it wasn't a unanimous uh last place vote uh because because the lowest you can get is nine but but it's pretty damn low west virginia at 20 iowa state at 30 oklahoma at 32 so that's the bottom four in the big 12 and that really is the set of teams that you need to circle and say hey you know if you want to make the dance, if you want to make a little bit more noise than what the folks, you know, around the country think it might be, those are the teams you need to, those are the three teams you need to be looking to get five wins from those six games. Baylor, number one, KU, number two, Texas, number three, TCU, number four, all four of those teams in the top 15 in the national poll, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech tied at five. So obviously, none of that is too surprising. Um, Nothing too crazy came out of Big 12 Media Days, but there is something that I really took from listening to as much as I could, um, not only of the press conference, but all the extra media. Jerome Tang seems to, first off, he's the the best coach, he's the best K-State coach to ever be employed by this university when it comes to the media. He always has the perfect question or answer, even when there are straight up stupid questions asked to him. When he was on the podium, there were a couple very dumb questions asked to him um, from the some folks who were there covering KU, some folks in the Kansas City area, of course, with the KU uh, bend to it. I think Jerome Tang just as a character in the Big 12 conference, if you're if you're just talking about it as a TV show, him as a character and how he's able to handle some of this stuff, how he's able to speak in front of the media, and what I think he's going to be saying in season is full-on A++. The guy gets it. He also continues to make sure he hammers home the idea of this isn't his program, it is the students and alumni program and he talks about wanting it to get back to the octagon of doom he's doing all that great fan service stuff as well but you can also get the vibes of how he's going to be as a coach not just this season but moving forward he continues talking about how he wants to build this program into being a conference championship contender build this team into being a final four contender build this team into being a national championship type contender in how he has to go about it he has a lot of great self-awareness uh and and i think he's probably trying to play down some a little bit because he he said i think i i I can't remember if this was with fran for on the uh side if it was up at the podium he goes you know i'm not the best coach so i need better players um, and again, I think he's trying to sell himself short, but he understands, uh, and, and I think maybe to a level, and, and I love Bruce Weber, and, and this is not about Bruce Weber, but I, I, I think Bruce Weber started falling behind when he realized how the game was changing. And I think Jerome Tang understands how the game is changing, understands how creating a roster is changing, and he is right on top of it. And he said all the right things. Now, what I think is interesting is some of the stuff that the players were saying. You know, they said that there's stuff already up in the locker room talking about how they were picked last and how they're using that as motivation and how they're going to be using that to try to, uh, you know, shock some of the teams in the Big 12 and basically say, hey, look, no, we're for real and we're here. I love hearing that. I think K-State fans love hearing the chip on the shoulder type stuff. Um a lot of uh, questions about Keontae Johnson, and th- really the only thing that I take away, because it was a lot of coach speak, but it, it is he is healthy. You know, there's a question about his health, and Coach Tang said, hey, I'm not going to talk about what his health was at Florida, what everything was uh, at Florida. He's healthy, he's practicing, and he's getting better every single game. 
And that is the absolute massive side of things. Absolute massive. If he can be the type of player he was at Florida, he is going to be, I'm not going to say unstoppable, but he's going to be a first-team All-Big 12 player at the end of the year. And I'm absolutely pumped for it. Getting to talk to Wyatt Thompson, getting to talk to Coach Sutton, Coach Bourne. Hopefully we'll have something for you guys on Tuesday with some more members of the K-State basketball staff. Just getting me more and more excited for this upcoming season. The first exhibition, 13 days away versus Washburn. Be sure to check out, uh, you know, uh, kstatesports.com. Uh, D. Scott Fritchin has, re- has uh, quite a few... Uh, K-State Sports Extra articles on the specific players. Uh, Cam Carter, uh, Bay Bay, uh, Gerald Colbert, all sorts of uh, pieces on the individual players. K-State Online covering it has all sorts of media day coverage. EMA Online has all sorts of stuff. Callis Robinette, there's so much great content coming out of Big 12 Media Day. Make sure you check that out as well. Something I want to make sure I mention as well is the women's side of Media Day. Uh, Serena Sundell was there, was there with Coach Mitty, and I loved what they had to say. Now, they were picked sixth in the preseason poll. If Aoka Lee didn't have her season-ending injury, I think they would have been right up there in the top. They would have been right there getting votes for first place, but... We, we don't have her. Oh, and then Jalen Glenn was there as well. I No, sorry, Briley uh, Glenn. Man, you know, they're twins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so so th- those two uh, sophomores were there with Jeff Mitty. And I think, and, and like I said, they were fourth, voted fifth right behind Baylor, who's in fourth place. There's a big drop-off. Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, Drop off. No, it's Kansas, then K-State. Excuse me. So there's a big drop off from Baylor to KU, K-State, and then Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, TCU. Now, this is a team that made it to the tournament last year, won a game in the tournament last year, and everything was very dependent on Aoka Lee. Now, you had the Glenn Twins. You had Serena Sundell. Both, at different times, won Freshman of the Week honors. Serena Sundell was a freshman All-American, and she was on that preseason All-Big 12 team. She is going to be a massive, massive part about this team, and she's going to have to be the leader. She's going to have to be a leader because you have those three now sophomores who are highly rated, came in and played pretty darn good for freshmen in the toughest league in all of women's college basketball. And then they got to the postseason. I think that has to be the goal again. Again, they, they brought in a very good recruiting class. They brought in some transfers. All of that was supposed to complement Aoka Lee. Now they're going to have to figure out how to do it without her. I'm going to be interested to see what, see, see what they have going on. Both of them have exhibition games early in November. So it is going to be a fun time getting to learn about these teams, getting to experience a lot of these players for the first time on the men's side and any of the women's players that you may remember that you saw last year, they're going to be playing in totally different roles. I've been critical of Jeff Mitty. When it comes to him as an in-game coach, as a strategy type guy, he's going to be able to flex his muscles. We're going to have to, we're going to be able to see what he can do as a coach because again, he doesn't have a surefire All-American to bail him out. And it's going to be massive if this team can get to the NCAA tournament. If they can make some noise in the conference this year, and they get Aoka Lee back next year, which all intents and purposes we've been led to believe is going to happen, this team could be absolutely dangerous, super scary next year. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that this women's basketball team is going to be well worth your time in getting to watch them. We'll finish up real quick talking about soccer and volleyball. First off, soccer, Sophie Harlan 
gets the freshman Big 12 Player of the Week honors. I think she's one of only... Maybe the only one to get uh, Big 12 honors so far this year. I think our goalkeeper has won Goalkeeper of the Year Award or of the Week Award. Um, I, I believe so. Um, but absolutely massive result beating Oklahoma at home. That was big time. Because with that win over Oklahoma, that puts us in a uh, basically a three-way tie for fourth place with West Virginia, Oklahoma, and ourselves. Now, there's some different tiebreakers, uh, how, how they do, how they award points for ties versus losses versus wins. But right now, you basically have a virtual three-way tie for fifth place in the conference. Now, the middle of the conference, you know, it's, it's it, I mean, it's really jumbled up. You know, you have Texas and TCU, Texas Tech, all very good. Oklahoma State, solid. Baylor, KU, Iowa State bringing up the rear. And to, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's looking pretty damn good that this team is going to get to the Big 12 Championship uh, tournament for the first time ever. They have a massive game on Friday at home versus KU. Now, if you're not going down to Fort Worth, if you're going to be in the Manhattan area, that is going to be a massive one to go to. We've actually played KU pretty damn well in the entirety of this program. It's going to be on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, so you can get to watch it. You know, KU had a much better non-con. They have eight wins this season. K-State only has six. But KU's only been able to grab one game. One game in conference play. And again, if we win this, we tie it up the all-time series between these two. So it is going to be an exciting game. If you can't get out there, make sure you watch it. Because again, this is this is going to end up being one of, if not the best, K-State soccer teams we've seen so far. Now, they need to continue to get better. They're still not where I think any of us would want them to be. But getting to a point where they can be battling for fifth and hell, if things go the correct way, fourth place in the Big 12, if they can take care of business late in this season. Grant, there's only a couple more games left. They'd probably have to win. We have KU and then at West Virginia. And West Virginia is another one of those teams. So I don't think we're going to be able to get to fourth place. But if you can take care of KU, and if you take care of West Virginia, I believe that is going to get you to fourth place in this conference. That would be absolutely massive after finishing in the cellar every single year. So we've seen K-State soccer take that step up. Again, I don't think anyone who who supports K-State says, you know what, we're fine getting fifth fifth place and hey it it is what it is i want to see i love soccer and i like watching this soccer team i want to see them get to the point where they are contending to go to the ncaa tournament now we're a year or two away but this is a stepping stone type season because it's the first year without your first ever all-american type player and they're able to do it so i i think that coach dabini and the squad has done a great job taking that step up. Now, while they're at similar spots in the standings, you know, K-State's at 7th, I mean, 7th place near the middle. It's not going to take much. All it'll take is a couple good games, and they're going to be battling for 5th. Is K-State Volleyball. Now, I'm recording this before they're in seventh place, two and four in the conference. I'm recording this uh, before their game tonight. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'm recording this. Hopefully they get a win uh, at Oklahoma. Um, you know, their next game, they, they play Saturday, 1 p.m., hosting Baylor. So that will be on ESPN+. Plus. Anyone who's in Manhattan, be sure to watch that. They're playing an Oklahoma team that they have to beat. Now, at this point in the season, only three games above 500. 
we have blown multiple games after a two set to nothing lead. I I don't I don't see this team getting back to postseason play. They're going to have to really run the table or really have maybe not run the table, but they're going to have to really have a great stretch of games here down the stretch. They really need to get a sweep this week. They have to take care and this might all be for naught. By the time you guys are listening. But they need to get that win versus Oklahoma. They have to get that win versus Baylor. They need to get ready for that Friday matchup. Hosting Texas at home. Now are they going to beat Texas? Probably not. Probably not. But you have to have a good showing. Because then you are going to KU. You need, And then you have Iowa State on that following Friday. So this five game swing. You need to win four out of those five. If you want to have any shot at sneaking back into the NCAA tournament at the end of this season. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I, I'm very frustrated with this volleyball team. I came in here with so much hope, so much optimism, and they started hot. But then the issue we've seen is anytime they've played a, a squad that has any sort of chance at postseason play, they've just folded up. And I think that comes to the very top. I have a hard time emotionally investing, investing in my time watching this team, and even thinking about trying to get up for games with the new volleyball arena coming next year. When you see all this money being put in to facilities to try to improve this volleyball team, get back to the point where you're a year in, year out type NCAA team, because I don't think we're ever going to see big contending for Big 12 championships. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. But this is a similar situation to, you know, Bill Snyder, to Bruce Weber even, of a coach who has won multiple Big 12 titles, who has taken K-State to some highs uh, that have only been seen by that coach in the modern era, Susie Fritz, an institution at K-State Athletics, and we, we have once again seen a promising season start to tumble away. We saw them collapse down the stretch last year, barely sneak into the NCAA tournament when, you know, halfway through the, the, the conference season, you're talking about finishing, you know, top two or three in the conference, and then you're a, one of the last teams into the tournament. And here you are bringing back your All-American, getting some solid transfers. And here we are sitting seventh place out of nine in the Big 12. You know, I, I, I think it is time that if you haven't if, if you haven't decided you're going to move on from Susie Fritz, so at least think about it. You're about to move into the best volleyball-specific arena in the nation. I would like a coach I could feel confident that, that could get us back to the NCAA tournament. Because basically since middle of October last year, K-State Volleyball is, has been disappointing. That's all I have this week, though. Uh, again, we're going to have the Wildcat Roundup segment of the Thursday Whip Around. Uh, I, I'm always going to make sure to try to get my opinions and get the news out there about the volleyball and soccer team. Uh, but, you know, with, with men's and women's basketball right around the corner, uh, we're, we're going to use this space to make sure that we're keeping everyone up to date, previewing some stuff with those basketball teams as well, and getting some uh, talk in on Tuesdays. So we may not be doing weekly Q&As uh, during, or for rest of uh, football season because there is so much men's and women's basketball talk to get in there on uh, you know content. So um, that's all we have for this whip around. Sorry, I, I wanted to keep, always wanted to keep this episode less than an hour. Um, but with some great sh- stuff from Shahan talking a little bit about men's and women's basketball, uh, it's running a little long. So that's all we have, though. That's all we have. So for my co-host and the best boy in the world, Chauncey Bosco, we love you guys. Go Cats, beat TCU.
to see. Onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Fight, UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.